Welcome to the Servant's Heart Chapel podcast with Pastor Daryl Underwood. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by this week's sermon. Now here's Pastor Daryl. Praise God. The title of my sermon today is Hope in Uncertain Times. Rather than, I was going to go do an event in Christ's life as we're going through Christ's life, but sometimes it's good for a sermon to be timely. We're going through a lot of uncertainty right now with the coronavirus. And so today, uh, what I have a message for you, uh, the message I have for you is a message of hope. I picked this picture uh, as as the graphic for today's sermon, may, some of you may not be familiar with this picture. This is a picture of a nurse in Wuhan, China, at the very beginning of the pandemic. Uh, she uh, stayed dedicated to her trade craft. She was dedicated to providing medical support to people suffering this disease. But out of concern for her family, she had quarantined herself from her family. So this is her walking down the street at 3 or 4 in the morning on her way to work with her faithful husband driving behind her with the headlights on so she safely gets to work. She, she wasn't sure if she had the virus or not, so she just kept away from the family. Uh, and so uh, he is driving behind her very early in the morning uh, on her way to work. Very uncertain times right now. Today, uh, the president has called today a Nash for a National Day of Prayer. Um, there's been travel restrictions in the military. I, uh, I've had several... I had three business trips planned. All three of them been canceled because of what's going on. <clears throat> I wanted to start today's. Yes, bud. <clears throat> uh, a few thousand off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't. I don't have the answer for you. Yeah. No, because God causes bad things to happen to good people too. I don't think so. I think this is just normal. So what we're experiencing right now with this pandemic is a normal result of living in a fallen world. There's sin in this world, so we have disease. And this kind of thing happens on occasion. Obviously not very often. None of us have experienced this. The elder in our church, I think he's experienced one. Um. I wanted to start, so today is really a sermon about hope. Let me start with Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. 
It says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, or you could say causes depression. But a good or encouraging word makes it glad. How many of you are feeling anxious today? How many feel anxiety about what's going on? Are you ready for an encouraging word today? Because I have it for you. We're going to start off with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verse 13a. It says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. These three things make up the essence of who we are as Christians. They, you could say they are spices that flavor our lives. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how it should be used, therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and trampled underfoot of men. So there's, there's things that bring flavor to us so we can flavor the community and the world around us. And the first of those flavors is faith or just trusting God. What does that look like? What does faith look like? How does that faith flavoring our lives, what, what could that look like? Just trusting Him. Well, let's, we can start out with one thing in our hymnals if you want to get your hymnal out. Number eight. Number eight. The Apostles' Creed. One of the oldest creeds we have. And if you want to, you can join me in reading this together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into Hades the third day. He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church universal, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I believe. I believe in all of this. That, that God is the maker of heaven and earth. And that Jesus Christ came and died for my sins so I could be forgiven. I believe in that. I believe the Holy Spirit has come to help us. And because I believe that, that changes my behavior. I'm going to live like there is a God. I'm going to live like there is a Savior. I'm going to live like there is a Holy Spirit who's teaching me and guiding me and convicting me of sin. I believe that. That's what faith looks like. That's what it looks like to flavor our life. The other flavor we have is love, goodwill, Affection, kindness towards others. What does that look like when it flavors our lives? Well, we can, we can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to see that. 
What does it look like when you let love flavor your life? Paul says, if I speak human or angelic languages, but do not have love, I'm a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, if I give my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So here's what it looks like to have love. Verse 4. Love is patient, kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not conceited, doesn't act improperly, does not, is not selfish, is not provoked, does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's what it looks like to have love flavor your life. But I said I, I saved hope for the last because for the rest of this sermon today, I'm going to be talking about hope. I believe it is appropriate because hope is what holds us in times like these. Hope is, is more than just wishful thinking. We tend to use hope as the Bible defines it is different than what we use in everyday use. I hope my kids listen to me. It's, it's, it's you know, hope, you know, I wish, I hope, but hope in the Bible is an expectation. I expect this to happen. I'm looking forward to it happening. And that hope, especially hope we have in promises of the Bible, is most apparent during uncertain times like these. Let me tell you what I mean. In the 1700s, John Wesley was an Anglican preacher and a missionary. He was a very religious man, but he wasn't saved. He was actually uh, on a boat, on a ship, heading to the Americas, heading to the U.S. Not quite the U.S. yet. 1736. The colonies. Heading to the colonies. To preach. And he was with a group of German Christians called Moravians. Moravians were a very conservative group. But they were very serious about serving God. And so, one thing interesting, he, he wrote this in his diary on for Sunday, January 25th, 1736. Wesley was on board a ship, as I mentioned, and he observed the Moravians in the midst of a life-threatening storm. The ship had been hit with this terrible storm. He said, at seven, I went to the Germans. I had long before observed the great seriousness of their behavior, of their humility. They had given a continual proof by performing those servile offices for which the other passengers which none of the English would undertake, for which they desired and would receive no pay, saying, 
it was good for their proud heart. So they were willing to do things other people wouldn't stoop to be willing to, to help out with. And, and he said, and their loving Savior had done more for them. And every day had given them occasion of showing a meekness which no injury could move if they were pushed, struck, or thrown down. They rose again and went away, but no complaint was found in their mouth. There now was an opportunity of trying. So up to this point, he's noting all this because he's making a point that the Moravians seemed authentic. They seemed real. That he hadn't noted in other Christians. And he continues, there was now an opportunity of trying whether they were delivered from the spirit of fear. Would they be delivered from fear during this horrible storm as well as out of the pride, anger, and revenge? In the midst of the storm, wherewith their service began, the sea broke over, split the mainsail in pieces, and covered the ship and poured in between the decks as if the great deep had already swallowed us up. A terrible screaming began. Can you imagine the fright? You feel like your ship is going down. And so people are screaming out of fear. But the scream began among the English, and he said the Germans calmly sang songs. I asked one of them afterwards, Was you not afraid? He answered, I thank God, no. I asked, But were not your women and children afraid? He replied mildly, No, our women and children are not afraid to die. From them, I went to their crying, trembling neighbors and pointed out to them the difference in the hour of trial between him that fears God and him that fears not. At 12, the wind fell, and he added, This was the most glorious day with which I have hitherto seen. What made the difference for these people? Everybody claimed to be religious. But then when it came down to it, you had one group that was not afraid at all, another group that was terrified. We may have an answer in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, where Paul wrote, We have this hope, this hope, as an anchor for the soul. You know what the purpose of an anchor is? To hold you in place. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It's hope that secures us during life's trials like now. What do we have to hope for? Well, let me give you six verses that demonstrate the hope we have in Christ. Number one, 
we look forward to an eternal life. Praise the Lord. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, uh, the Apostle John wrote, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have before Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Did you know that? And we have, for because of that, because we have a hope. Like our, our, our father David in Psalms cried out, Save me, my God. Any man, woman, or child can cry out, Save me, Lord, and can be saved. Can be forgiven of sin. And their name can be written in the Lamb's book of life and can look forward to eternal life. This life isn't the end. Those who live as if this life were the only thing are pitiful creatures indeed. They live for nothing but pleasure and power and wealth. And then when they, those who are lucky enough to survive the old age are embittered, are angry <coughs> that they have to die. Because this life is all there is. And so they, they feel like it's coming to an end now. But we know this life is nothing compared to eternity. It's but a moment in time. A tiny moment in time. And we look forward to an eternal life. We also look forward to an eternal reward. God wants to reward you for your faith. God wants to reward you for your love. God wants to reward you for trying to bless others and, and, and preach the gospel and do what you know is right. God wants to reward you for that. In 1 Peter 1, chapter 3 through or chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, the apostle Peter wrote. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable. That means it can't waste away. Undefiled, that means it's completely pure. And unfading, that means it will never stop. Kept in heaven for you. You see that God's, God's got a savings account for you. Jesus has a place for you to stay. Kept in heaven for you. And you don't have to worry about the bank of heaven going under. You don't have to worry about losing your... Uh, your, uh, what God has given you? Verse 5, you're being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, 
is refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're, we're looking forward to an eternal reward. Number three, we look forward to being rescued by our faith and not our works. That's a nice hope. I don't have to earn my way into heaven. I can just trust the Lord. God, keep me. God, protect me. God, help me. If, I, if I'm having some struggle in my life with this sin, I can reach out to God and say, God, help me with my anger. God, help me with my addiction. God, help me. Help me to have the right attitude. Help me to do what I ought to do. Help me with my devotional life. Help me to be faithful in church. Help me to be an example to my kids. Help me to be obedient to my parents. Help me to love others as much as you love us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, Paul wrote, For you are saved by works, no, by grace, through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from work. See, we work for sin. Did you know that? We work for the wages of sin. But eternal life is a gift. Verse 9, not from works so that no one can boast. For we are, his, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. God been planning this out for you. We have free will, but God has been planning things to try to encourage you to go the right way. So we're rescued by our faith. God, I trust in you. I believe in you. I need your help. Number four, we look forward to seeing how the pain we suffer now results in eternal glory. Eternal glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We, we have a hope. We look forward to seeing, even though we're suffering now, it's not fun now. We may be dealing with health issues, financial issues, emotional issues. We're suffering. We're hurting. We don't know when it's going to stop. But we look forward, someday, we are going to see exactly what the Lord prepared for us for going through what we went through. And I've said it before, I think everybody, 
the first moment they're in heaven, no matter what they went through, even those few people you feel like, man, they definitely got more than their fair share of suffering in their life, they're going to be in heaven, they're going to go, that's it, that's all I had to do. That wasn't that bad. The first moment, they're going to forget. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's that kind of like it, except much more extreme. Yeah. We look forward to seeing how the pain we suffer now results in eternal glory. Number five, we look forward to Jesus giving us eternal life. John 4, 13 through 14 says, Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whosoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Jesus is going to provide that to us, and we look forward to it. And finally, number six, we look forward to Jesus coming back to us. We look forward to his return. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Now remember, Christians have not been strangers to suffering from the very beginning. Early Christians went through horrible persecution. That they were tortured. They they lost their employment. Their families turned away from them. They were killed. Just horrible. They were beaten so badly. They were maimed. Just tough times. And so a lot of the letters that we, we have in the New Testament are written to these churches that are going through great difficulties. And in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, we read, Paul wrote, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. The rest of the world has no hope. If you, those, the, a funeral for someone who is not a Christian, where you have non christian people who don't believe in God, they come to the funeral, it's a very different affair than a funeral for a Christian. It's way different. The whole environment is different. In fact, Christians, early Christians, considered a celebration. They wore white to the funeral. Did you know that? Instead of black. It was a celebration. Kind of like we did for Lori last year. She wanted what she knew when she died. She wanted it to be a celebration. She wanted actually 
She wanted to be kind of like a birthday party. And so that's what we did. We hung birthday streamers in the fellowship hall. And, and people came, instead of bringing flowers, they brought canned food items for the local food pantry. Because we knew Lori was a big supporter of that. And everybody brought them in gift bags like they were birthday presents. So no hope. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you, by a word from the Lord, we are still alive at the Lord's coming, and it will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive still, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. And then he adds in verse 18, encourage one another with these words. People going through a lot of great difficulties, and he's saying, one day, Jesus will come back with a shout. And the dead in Christ will rise, and all Christ's followers still alive will be caught up with them, and we'll meet Jesus in the air, and we'll be forever with them. Praise the Lord! Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Which brings us back to Proverbs 12.25. Anxiety causes depression, but encouraging words makes the heart happy, the heart glad. Have you been encouraged today? When you think, every time you think of the, the coronavirus or COVID-19, think of this. I saw this. My dad shared this on social media today. I, I wanted to share with you. Think of COVID as an acronym. Christ over viruses and infectious diseases. That's what it stands for. Christ over viruses and infectious diseases. Christ is sovereign. And when you think of the 19, think of Joshua 1.9. Joshua 1.9, which says, Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? Because for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a good verse to memorize. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That, you can take that to the bank. You can apply that to your life and be firm on it because that is absolutely true. God is always with you. So knowing all this, knowing the hope we have, as Christians, our response in uncertain times is 
one thing we do is we're available to help anybody in need, right? So as things happen, we identify anybody in need. We're going to do our best to supply their needs. We're also praying. We also want to pray about it. And that's what we're going to do right now. With our voices to the Lord together. And we're going to pray. So please join me in prayer at this time. Thank you for joining us. If you liked this podcast, then hit the subscribe button. Also take some time to rate us. Feel free to check out our website at servantsheartchapel.org and you can email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Thanks again and have a blessed week.